The following audio is from Axe Church Northwest in Austin, Texas. For more information, visit axechurchnorthwest.com. So we're looking uh, through these psalms. Last week we looked at, at wisdom to help us kind of see their emotions are big, but there's a rudder of wisdom and a keel of wisdom that keeps us going in the right direction. Uh, and today we're talking about thankfulness or gratitude as an emotion. Um, Martin Luther was a reformer about 500 years ago, and, and he wrote this when he was talking about the Psalms. And I just want you guys to close your eyes a little bit and, and think about what this looks like. He says, The human heart is like a ship on a stormy sea, driven about by winds from, flowing from all four corners of heaven. The book of the Psalms is the heartfelt utterances made during the storms of this kind. Where can one find nobler words to express joy than in the Psalms of praise or gratitude? In them, you can see into the hearts of saints, as if you're looking at a lovely pleasure garden or we're gazing into heaven. I like that picture that he puts. I like that picture that he has because he's, he's inviting us to enter this book of Psalms as if you're looking through the eyes of saints, of people that have gone before you in this journey of faith. But to be honest, when I, when I think of thankfulness, there are two things from my life um, that I think of. And the first one it comes from the Psalms, uh, Psalm 106 and some other Psalms. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Some of you guys have heard that. Maybe some of you have prayed that. Uh, I prayed that at my grandparents' kitchen table every time we, uh, every time we were there. My, my grandma was a good German, or is a good German lady, and so we would have a, a meal, like a, a dinner-type setup, and there would be, I don't, maybe you guys know this, do you have the, the jello with the foreign objects in it? Anyone? Like, she made jello with lime, jello mix, Mountain Dew, and carrots. And it worked, Right? Um, we, so we had all of that and that was a side dish. That was not the dessert. So we'd have dessert because she was a good German grandma. And then after dessert, while my cousin and I started elbowing each other and we're like ready to go play, uh, we, we'd have to wait because my grandpa would always, uh, lead us in prayers and then we'd read some scripture. And that was really cool. And so, for one, I'm thankful for that. But, but we'd always start with, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. And then we'd read some scripture, and then we'd go play, and the older people would talk about who lives at what farm now, and all sorts of things, and, and, um, which now is much more interesting. But I just remember that, and I was like, oh, that's the first memory I have of that psalm and thankfulness deep in my gut. Second thing was on my honeymoon. And I'm not gonna tell you all the details, but I will tell you this. I did not know how to use sunscreen at all. My wife and I were on probably one of the best vacations we will ever go on. And uh, our, I mean, shoot, the, the, from where we stayed to the water was like 30 feet. 
I met this guy and he gave us a great deal. It was awesome. But I didn't know the proper ways to put on sunscreen. And so I looked like a lobster for a solid three or four days. And I would just, there, there was a couple afternoons I just sat in our hotel room because it's like it's hot outside and I don't want to get burned anymore and it hurts and just, just go away. You can go do, do whatever you need to do. And, and, you know, sometimes she'd go out and sit on the beach. And then, but other times she, Krista would come in and, and sit at the little desk as I was just, and, and she would write thank you notes on our honeymoon. I'm like, this is our vacation, honey. And you're writing thank you notes. And that's when I realized she was crazy. But um, no, it, it's, it, in a way, it's crazy to me because I, I'm like, it's, a, it's not a chore. I like it when I'm sending out thank you notes, but it's, it's just sitting down and doing it. It's like, oh, okay, it's like a chore. But, but for her, she finds life in it, and it's fun for her to write thank you notes. And when I think of the Thanksgiving Psalms, I think of just, it's, it's like one after the other, big thank you notes to God. Big like, hey, this is what I can offer you. Here's a note. Here's a little word of praise or of thankfulness, acknowledging what you've done for me. And I think that's a good response uh, to what he's done for us. Like we could all come in here this morning and, and pull our, our trucks or our cars up and open up the trunk and be like, hey, here are my good efforts this week, God. Here are my, are my good, I'm going to pile up all these good works and, and put them in front of you, God. Or here are all the things that I've merited that I want to offer to you. Did, or, hey, God, did you remember that? I Facebooked that one or I helped that nice lady or that nice guy. No. I'm glad we don't have a system like that. Because there are a lot of weeks where I wouldn't have anything to offer. And even if I did have something to offer and I got really excited about that, he's like, that's, that's, that's nothing to me. He's like, just, just be thankful that you're part of my creation. I'm like, all, all we can give God is the thanks for the things that he's given to us. So let's look in uh, Psalm 34. So open your Bibles or your apps or whatever you have. And we're going to start in verse 8. Well, verse 8 and 9, we're going to read those, we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to keep moving forward. Uh, Verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Verse 9 continues, Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. And I like this because it reminds me that thankfulness doesn't begin with me. It begins with what God has done for me. And I think the psalmist invites us into this, and I kind of see him inviting us into this in a couple of different ways. Uh, The first one is to taste and see that the Lord is good. I was doing some Google image searches on like what would come up if I threw in Psalm 34, and it's all of these kind of painted like bowls with spoons that go in people's kitchens, like taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm like, well, you know, there we go. And and the, 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 what I consider that being is like when somebody comes to Austin, 
I don't know. I, I should probably take some notes and figure out what you guys do when you have guests in from out of town. But when people come to Austin, I don't take them to Zilker Park. I don't take them to Barton Springs. One time we walked around. We walked around by Barton Springs, but we didn't go there. But, but what we do is we taste and see Austin. I'm like, oh, you think you've had a taco? Hold on. Let me show you the trashy trailer park. Now you've had a taco at Torchy's. Or I said, oh, you think you've had a burger? Hold on. Let's go down to South Congress, and I would love to order you Alano Poblano from Hop Dottie and just enjoy and taste and see that Austin is good. Or you think you've had a margarita before. Well, they have purple ones, they have Mexican martinis, they have all sorts of things that go together. So when I invite people to come here, I take them kind of around the city, but, but the main points are the food spots. Taste and see. Let's try something out. And when, when you give something a try, like when I give something a try, I, I'm taking a chance. Or when, whenever you guys give something a try, you are taking a chance. And when you take a chance, you're exhibiting a small or big amount of faith. So I think the first thing the psalmist says is, is try. Try God. Not like put him to the test, but, but try, try him out. Um, and I think this comes in lots of little different places. Uh, if, if you haven't uh, experienced the love of God, then, then, then try him out in, in the big sense. But even in the small sense, like I'm going into work today. What does it look like to try what God has for me today? Or I'm going on this date on Friday. What does it look like to, to try what God would have for me in a dating situation or a relationship situation? Or if you're married or in a relationship and you're having an argument, what does it look like to try God when, when you're having an argument? or having kids, or, or just all the little things in life. What does it look like to, to try God in all of those little situations? Second thing I think he asks us to do is, well, try, take the risk, lean in a little bit, and let's be honest, it is a risk. The second thing I think is to trust. There's trying, and there's trusting. So I want to point your eyes back to verse 9. It says, fear the Lord, you his saints. And this isn't like the scary, like, oh, fear. It's more of the awe-inspiring fear. The fear of awe and respect. Like, wow, there is something going on here. And something, something just to look at with these two different verses. Uh, verse 8 says, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So it's a man or a person or a human. And then verse 9 says, fear the Lord, you his saints. It's gone from a, a kind of impersonal thing to a, a very personal thing. And I think that might be, I might be reading into it a little bit, but I, but I think that's what happens when we, when we try God and then when we trust God. Those who take, the, the man who takes, or the person who takes refuge in God and, and leans 
in to God and understands that he loves them and he empowers them and he sends them out into all these little places, uh, that person we consider has had a life change and they trust in God. And in verse 9, it says this person's a saint. Not like the, the Catholic version of saint, we have to have like the miracles and all of that. I'm not downplaying that. Uh, but but the, we're all, all Christians are saints. We have good days, we have bad days, and we trust sometimes and we don't trust sometimes. And that's a part of being a saint. But I think if we work that muscle, if that muscle gets worked out, then we can be honest and say that trying leads to trusting. It does in relationships. It does at work. It does in our faith relationship with God. If I can lean into him and try him and say, okay, God, I trusted you with that little bit. Maybe I can try and trust you with this bit or with, with this relationship, even that relationship that I, I don't want to trust you with. I just, I'm fine where it is. I don't want to mess with it. He's like, no, keep on trusting me. And we need to trust because things get hard. We need to trust because things get hard. And so how does this deal with thankfulness? Well, if you're trying God and you're trusting him, then, then we can often see, well, why are we thankful? Well, we're thankful for what he has done in the past and what he is doing right now. So uh, I want to point you back to 34 verses 15 through 19. It says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. That last line is where uh, some people miss and, and go down these interesting theological pathways where they, where they have this kind of name it and claim it theology where it's like, it's a mixture of theology and the book, The Secret, and it's just, Poof! so I'm going to uh, say that this is going to happen and then it's just going to happen. I'm, I'm going to name it and I'm going to name this in Jesus' name and then claim it and, and, and I'm going to be good. And I have like this barrier built around me. But the psalmist knows, he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous and that the Lord delivers him out of all, out of them all. Uh, Jesus also talks about, he's like, hey, th this isn't going to be easy. Right before uh, he goes to, to be crucified, he's talking and he tells his disciples, um, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Like, there's going to be trouble. He says, take heart, I've, I've overcome the world. And for, for some of you, that, that verse has been uh, something to hold on to in, in really tough times. And then the people that, that heard this initially, like they experienced trouble. We've got it pretty good here in the United States, but, but around the world, we have brothers and sisters that are, that are suffering, and it's, it's hard. 
And so when we pray the Psalms, we pray them for ourselves, but we also pray them for the church, the big C church around the world. Uh, these are some of the things that, like, let's just look at the list of the, the disciples and see what happened to them. He was like, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And they're like, oh, we're going to go with you to the end. And Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew, um, he was tied to a cross and he was preaching to a passerby and it took him a couple of days to die. James the Greater was healed by Herod Agrippa. Philip was scourged, thrown in prison, and then crucified. Bartholomew was skinned alive and beheaded. This is like Quentin Tarantino stuff. Thomas was martyred by being pierced with a spear. Matthew was stabbed in the back. James was beaten and stoned at the age of 94 and hit over the back of the head with a club. Thaddeus was crucified. Simon the Zealot was crucified. And John wasn't martyred, but he was thrown in boiling oil, and then they exiled him on an island. So Jesus knows that there's going to be trouble, and I pray, and I hope that you pray, that your trouble doesn't look anything like that. But the but, but Jesus knew there was going to be trouble. And the psalmist knew that there was going to be trouble. He, he, he has that, you know, the afflictions for the righteous are going to be many. But I love how he starts the psalm. And he starts the psalm with verses 1 through 3. And I really invite you to look at this. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. The psalmist knows that bad stuff's coming, but he starts this psalm with thanksgiving. And if you need to, to, to experience some, some thanksgiving or, or understand or, or maybe like re-remember what thanksgiving looks like if you're in a hard spot, or maybe you're in a good spot, but, but just tuck this away for later. I want you to, to remember a couple of things. In verse 15, the Lord hears. Your Lord, your God hears you. The psalmist says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are toward their cry. Sometimes when we feel like we're suffering, we feel all alone. We might be in a sea of people, but we just feel so isolated. And that might be true, but, but your God hears you. There are a couple different things we can, we can share with God. There was a pastor from San Antonio who shared this with me. I'm like, I kind of like that. He's like, you can, you can share with God the thanksgiving, and that's when something is right. You can share with God a lament when, when something is wrong. Or you can grumble to God when you're just saying nothing is right. And so I want to encourage you to avoid the grumbling, because if you have breath in your lungs, then, then something's going well. And, and lean into thanksgiving, but, but also know that God hears your lament. He hears you when you say, nothing's, or something's going wrong right now. He knows that. He's lived that. 
and he listens to you because he loves you. The second thing is uh, from verse 18, the Lord comes. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. When I was talking about tasting and seeing Austin, uh, you have to go to Tex-Mex, right? And my favorite way of thinking about God coming near us is by thinking about Tex-Mex and the wonderful dish, carne asada and queso con carne, right? Carne asada, grilled meat, queso con carne, meat and cheese, right? And I love that. And I wonder, I, I tried to do this at the church we planted from, but I would really love to ruin Mexican food for you so that every time you go and see carne asada or queso con carne, I want you to think of Jesus. The high theological word for this is the incarnation. The incarnate, Jesus with meat and flesh, not, not just a spiritual person, but a real living person uh, coming in to where we live and move and have our being. And Jesus, when he came with flesh on, he came near to all sorts of people, right? Like when they bring dignitaries around, they, they bring them and they have a lot of guards around and everything, but, but Jesus kind of busted that stigma or thoughts. He came to, to women and children who were in that day uh, not the same type of citizen as a Roman guy. So he came near them, and that's awesome because he showed dignity to people who didn't have as much dignity. He set the equal bar a little bit higher. He hung out with sinners and our equivalent to an IRS agent, people that okay, they might be, okay, we just tolerate that. We put up with that, but we don't like this guy because he's always going from a back pocket. Jesus came and he was close with prostitutes and people who partied way too much. And they even called him, like people were like, oh, that person must be a friend of that person. It's like he came close to everyone and he even came close to uh, religious people. He came close to religious people that were broken and religious people that were way too puffed up and just need to sit down. And he comes to you too. It wasn't just back then, but, but by the power of the cross and the empty tomb, he says, I hear you. I've heard you. I've heard your cry and I've come close to you and I want to deliver you. And he says, it's my life for your life. It's like, take it, try it, lean into me, trust in me. I am good. I have more life than you can ever even think of or imagine. He's like, trust me and lean into me. The third thing, if you're looking for faith or thankfulness is the Lord delivers. He hears you, he comes to you and he delivers you. The psalmist knows this, Jesus knows this, and that's why we sing and celebrate. He says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Your God is a deliverer. So take the things that you need deliverance from and offer them to Jesus. We're about to... Um, take this meal. This meal is called the Lord's Supper. It's also called Holy Communion. Uh, it's also called the Eucharist. 
And the Eucharist comes from Eucharizo, and that's talking about it's a meal of thanksgiving. And it's a meal of thanksgiving, not for what we do. It's not an outward sign of what we do, but it is an inward sign of, hey, this is what God has done for you. This is what God has done for you. This meal is a meal of assurance, saying, we're good, right? I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. This meal is a meal where God says, you know what? Things aren't perfect now. There are some afflictions now, but, but his peace or his shalom, it means his wholeness, his putting things back together again. And so we're going to take this meal um, with all of that in mind, saying thank you, God, for what you've done for us. Please put me back together and, and let me praise you. Thanks for listening to this audio from Axe Church Northwest. To stay connected, visit axechurchnorthwest.com.